Yeah, I'm just thankful you didn't tell me to let out a bugle or something. <laughs> uh, my hunt partners are Corey Jacobson and Dirk Durham, and I'm very privileged to be able to call them my hunting partners. If somebody was to tell me, you can take these kids out on Hunt of the Lifetime hunts for the rest of your life, but you would never be able to hunt elk again for yourself, I would do it in a heartbeat. Austin, he's a 14-year-old boy. He has a brain tumor in his, in his head. It's really affected his vision. His head tilted back, screaming a bugle as he came out of the timber. And I told Austin, there he is. And Austin's like, I see him, I see him. We all uh, teamed up with Born and Raised Outdoors, and Cody and Trent are doing a project called Land of the Free. It's still 90% luck, 10% skill, but honing that 10% skill is, is critical. This is Donna Drake, and you're listening to Living Country in the City, episode 43. Y'all ready for your dose of flyover state spirit? Straight from the concrete jungle? Well, put down your latte and pull on your boots. It's time for Living Country in the City. Hey, y'all. Thanks for tuning in for episode 43 of Living Country in the City. Just want to say a big thank you to all y'all who tune in each and every week. You know, if if you haven't already, I'd really appreciate if y'all left a quick rating and review on iTunes or Stitcher. You know, it really helps the podcast grow and allows me to continue bringing on these awesome guests week after week. Now, hunters are really an incredible group of folks, and they're often involved in a lot of very important projects. And we're not talking about just things like public lands or conservation, but generally just helping out other people and and making the world a little bit brighter of a place. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. At Midway USA, we know the AR-15 is one of the most popular rifles in modern American history. Known for its modularity and widespread use, it's often considered essential to any gun collection. The essential things you need to run an AR-15 are usually always in stock during shortages, things like magazines and 5.56 ammo. Whether you're looking to buy a new AR-15 or buy parts for your modern sporting rifle, log on and for just about everything for the outdoors, shop MidwayUSA.com. Now, today I've got Donnie Drake on the line, who just recently came back from an incredible hunt with the folks over at Hunt of a Lifetime and wanted to talk with him a bit about it. Donnie, thanks so much for hopping on the line with me today. Thank you. Good talking to you. So, uh, let's start out. Why don't you just... Give a quick introduction about uh, who you are and how you got your start in hunting, how you kind of got into the outdoors initially. Yeah, all right. 
Well, I'm Donnie Drake from Elkhorn, Oahu, and I grew up in a small northeastern Nevada town, Ely, Nevada. And I grew up hunting, starting with a 410 shotgun, chasing chuckers at like eight years old, and started hunting deer with rifle at 12, first time that you could hunt there in Nevada. And then uh, hunted deer until I moved to Idaho when I was 18. Couldn't hunt elk back when I was growing up down in Nevada, which has which is home of some of the biggest elk around, and I never even got to be able to hunt them while I was down there. Haven't been able to draw a tag yet, but uh, been in Idaho since I was 18. Short stint in Colorado, and Idaho's been home for many years now. So, so what? Uh, what prompted the move to Idaho? I had a high school. I came up here to go to college, so okay, moved up here with high school friend and wound up staying. <laughs> I was going to say, uh, I, I can't imagine, uh, if I ever moved out there that I'd ever want to leave. I had enough trouble, uh, I had enough trouble leaving after my elk hunt this September. So <laughs> I can imagine you did. Um, so you're living out in Idaho and, uh, you are also quite the elk caller as well. Oh, I don't know if I, I don't think you could accuse me of that in the court of law, but, <laughs> but I, I call elk for some really good elk callers. So if they have confidence in me, then, uh, that's about all I need to know about how good I can call. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, you know, why don't you, why don't you, uh, Tell us a little bit about some of the folks you hunt with too, just because uh, you've got a pretty, uh, pretty good hunting couple of hunting partners, I have to say. Yeah, I'm just thankful you didn't tell me to let out a bugle or something. <laughs> 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 um, no, I, um, uh, my hunting partners are Corey Jacobson and Dirk Durham, and I met Corey at work where I work years ago, and he was looking for a backup place to hunt, and I sent him to a place that I had hunted elk for, I think it was 17 years. I archery hunted a unit, and I hunted it a lot, and I never killed an elk in there. I told Corey where it was at. He went in there and killed a bull the very first morning. <laughs> so it, it wasn't the area that was a bad area. It was the uh, the hunter that couldn't get it done all that time <laughs> well that's that's some instant karma right there you know he's he's looking for a spot you give him your worst spot and he kills one the first day huh <laughs> yeah no i i gave him my best spot <laughs> <laughs> i'm like there's elk there but they're really hard to kill and he just walked in i think he wound up shooting a bull that he i think he shot at it like 20 yards, he was, he was raking a tree, and he stalked up to it while it was raking and shot it while it was raking. I just I just hunted it a totally different way than I knew how. I, I started out archery hunting for elk up here with a guy, and it wasn't really much of a, much of a hunting scenario. I was just kind of hanging out in the hills, and I wound up just doing that. Over and over and over, I guess 
the old saying about repeating the same thing is true. <laughs> definitely went insane chasing elk up there. But well, is there a better way to lose your mind? I can't think of one. No, no. It, it was never disappointing getting up there. It's always fun to be out in the elk, even if you're just out there to to hear them and hopefully lay lay eyes on them a few times. Yeah. Um, so how long have the three of you been hunting together? The three of us been, it has been, uh, it's probably been six or seven years that the three of us make our annual trip and try and get together. So now you were saying you used to hunt a little bit differently. Um, did, did meeting up with Corey and, and Dirk, did that, that change how you hunt, uh, even outside of the times you're hunting with them? Oh, definitely. Definitely. There's, it was my probability of getting an elk the way that I used to hunt was very low compared to what I've learned from Corey and Dirk and all the other elk hunters I've associated with. You know, I was hunting it, not paying any attention to the wind was the absolute biggest factor that I didn't even realize was a factor. And seeing that totally changed the way that, that I hunted. So learning learning to play the wind a little bit better, what were maybe uh, one or two other things that that you think really were big changes from how you used to hunt to how you hunt now? Well, everybody should know that by now that Corey's pretty aggressive on chasing elk. <laughs> and I would, if I heard a bugle, I would... It didn't matter if he was five, six hundred yards away. I would find a good tree to sit under and just sit there and call, hoping that he was going to come in. And that that tactic typically is not going to work. You got to be aggressive and chase him to let him know that uh, you're the boss. You want to go in there and you actually want to fight, not just say hello from a distance. <laughs> yeah. So. Uh... So Corey likes to call. I never, never knew that about him. <laughs> yeah, it, a couple of people have been finding out about that lately. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing. I absolutely love hunting with those two. It's. Uh, I'm very privileged to be able to call them my hunting partners because I wouldn't be anything of a hunter that I am today without the those two guys dragging me up the hill with them. So it's been yeah. a good fun run you know that that really says a lot and it's you know finding a good hunting partner i mean that's a a serious commitment to make with someone you know spending that much time in the backcountry and finding a good hunting partner is super important but you know not an easy task at all um what would you what would you say to someone like myself that's uh still pretty new at this and is uh, what what tips would you give them as far as looking like what to look for in a hunting partner or a good way to to find a quality hunting partner? Um, first thing is you got to be able to communicate, and if if you're wrong, you got to be able to accept that you're wrong and just kind of listen. Maybe you feel like you know some things, but you don't know everything, and being able to take some kind of criticism is I mean, you're not going to get any better if you think that you're invincible. You need somebody to tell you, well, maybe you can do this a little better, 
do that a little bit better. And someone that's going to push you. And there's a lot of times when I'm with those guys that I personally probably would not go in the places that I would, but we wind up going there most of the time, those 14 mile walks are just walks, but we got that area X'd off of the map that there aren't any elk. So sometimes when we're back in there, we actually do find the elk. So you got to be able to swallow your pride and, and find someone that can uh, communicate where you can, where you can improve in a better way. And, uh, you got to find people that will uh, will push you a little bit to your limits and take you farther than you would necessarily go by yourself. Definitely. Yeah, That just that drive. If, if you don't have the drive, you're going to want to look for somebody that has the drive that's going to push you. And if you have the drive, you need to be able to tactfully drive that other person. If they, Keyword tactfully. Um, tactfully as in not see you later I'm gonna <laughs> take off you know there's there's been many times where Corey and i or dirk and i you know i would i would not want to go any farther just like why are we doing this and let's just get over that next ridge and you know you want to be there if something happens or you want to be there for that person so you go and sometimes you'll get into elk that you never would have gotten into had you not gone that far. So um, what would you say is your biggest strength that you bring to the group? Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Maybe humor. (laughs) (laughs) No, I just like to be there for me. (laughs) For me, if I never was able to pull the trigger on my release, and just being able to be there and the camaraderie that you have with those guys, I just enjoy that. And those two, I think, anyway, enjoy it as well. So <laughs> now, have there have there ever been any times when the three of you have uh, like really gotten into it or had a a big disagreement? And and kind of if so, how'd you uh, how'd you go about resolving something like that? We actually never have. It's we've never gotten into any arguments, no fist fights, throwdowns. Everything's just been kosher between us. We just click well together. <laughs> well, y'all, I feel like have a have very, I don't want to say mellow personalities, but um, y'all, I, I don't know, y'all, y'all fit together very well from everything I've seen. So, <laughs> yeah, it really doesn't surprise me. Yeah, definitely. I've said it before that, you know, those two complete me. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's, it's, it's just fun to get out there. We enjoy the same things and we learn from each other. We are able to talk things through and it's always nice to have that many people when you're packing out an elk too. Absolutely. Now y'all were, uh, recently out for hunt of a lifetime right that is correct we went out dirk wasn't able to make it down he was doing some stuff up in north idaho but uh cory and i were able to through elk 101 we hosted a camp for a, a young boy out of pennsylvania and uh he wound up 
shooting a very nice elk. Uh, so why don't you uh, tell us a little bit about what Hunt of a Lifetime is, the, the idea behind it? Sure. Uh, Hunt of a Lifetime, if, if somebody was to tell me, you can take these kids out on Hunt of a Lifetime hunts for the rest of your life, but you would never be able to hunt elk again for yourself, I would do it in a heartbeat. The Hunt of a Lifetime Foundation is a uh, foundation for kids that have life-threatening diseases. They uh, um, anything from you know uh, bad diabetes to cancer to leukemia. There's some kids that don't want to go to Disneyland. They want to go on a elk hunt or a alligator hunt or a deer hunt, anything like that. And that's where Hunt of a Lifetime comes in, and they uh, arrange for, they just have a list of animals that they can go and harvest, and they get a pick which state they want to do which in. And if it is a uh, elk hunt in Idaho, then they contact the director here in Idaho for the Hunt of a Lifetime. And there's, I think, three different camps that host a hunt of a lifetime hunter. I think there was four hunts this year that uh, Elk 101 was the host of one of the kids that came out. And I remember, yeah, I was following along and uh, he was able to take a, a gorgeous, gorgeous bull. Absolutely gorgeous. One of the biggest bulls that I've ever been able to be part of. And uh, that's Austin. He's a, 14-year-old, he has uh, a uh, brain tumor in his in his head, and Austin came out. He was a trooper. He, was, he didn't uh, feel like he could go very far, and we could see what his limitations were and could see that he had a little more drive in him, and I think we drove him to a point that uh, he actually wanted to do it, and, you know, he, he said, how much farther are we going a few times, and we told him how far we were going, and he's like, all right, we'll get there. <laughs> but he's a 14-year-old boy, and he's uh, had this brain tumor for a couple of years, and it's really affected his vision. So he has a hard time seeing out, you know, past 60 to 80 yards. There's a few times that we had elk in that 60, 80, 100 yards, and he wasn't able to actually see the elk. You know, it's discouraging and it touches your heart because he came out here to do this and we're supposed to be helping him and guiding him basically. And we just want him to be able to at least see one and uh, try looking through his scope and he couldn't see through his scope just where his, his face was to the scope. He kept seeing black in it and, I can't see it. I can't see it. So it worked out. These uh, these camps are definitely, we lean on a higher power in order to uh, make things happen. It, it's, we can be the best elk hunters in the world, but until we, you know, submit and settle down and let somebody else take control, it just seems like things don't happen until, it's the time for it to happen. On Austin's, we had a bull going across the canyon from us on this 
little drainage had a creek going down the bottom. Bull was bugling at the top of the other ridge. Corey was probably 40 yards up on our side of the hill into a little opening, and Corey was up there bugling. Bull came in, came down through the bottom of the ravine, came across, walking down a trail, and he just come out of the timber, and we were sitting in it's probably a 50-yard wide patch, 50 yards down to the creek bottom was open. He came out of the timber at 20 yards, and he came out with a huge bugle, just his head tilted back, screaming a bugle as he came out of the timber. And I told Austin, there he is. And Austin's like, I see him, I see him. <laughs> and he was just coming right up the hill, straight to us, kind of angling towards our right he came up the hill and we we're filming it and on the, if you watch the film he comes out of the timber i'm like okay go ahead go ahead sounds like i'm telling him to go ahead and shoot i'm trying to tell him to go ahead and look through your scope <laughs> so you can be able to find him and i'm looking at the bull and i think that i thought that he was looking through the scope at the bull I looked over and the elk's at like 12 yards and coming up the hill towards us. And I look over at him and he's just head above his rifle, just just looking at him. I see him. I see him. I'm like, look through your scope. <laughs> so he, he looked down through his scope and the bull was at about eight to 10 yards from us. And when... I looked at him. He's like, I can't see him. I can't see him. It's all black. So I just kind of grabbed the front of the rifle. And at that distance, at eight yards, I just held it. We're sitting shoulder to shoulder. And uh, just told him, all right, you should be good right there. Go ahead and shoot him. So he shot and the bull ran about 40 yards and piled up in the creek that he had just crossed. Wow. It was it was unbelievable. It had to, it had to happen that way in order for it to be successful. And there's, you know, something like that where you have somebody that has, you know, those kind of limitations. That's there's definitely a higher power that's that's in control of of what's going on there. Yeah, because this is this was not like a a canned hunt, not a you know, not a small ranch high fence hunt was it <laughs> absolutely not so the state of idaho puts out five tags for for these hunt of a lifetime hunts or for dis disabled hunts that are for nonprofits to be able to take them out and it's basically you know anywhere in the state that you tell them where it is that you're going to be hunting and they give you a handwritten tag so we took we took him out to one of the better units here in Idaho, and it's all public land. But it's a it's a draw only unit for for the elk that are out there. It's one of the most coveted tags in in Idaho. Boat Trader is America's largest boating marketplace with over one hundred thousand boats to choose from. We offer simple, comprehensive solutions for those looking to sell, find, and finance new or used boats. Visit boattrader.com to get started. Now, uh, and how, so how, how long did it take to, uh, from the, the start of the trip to, 
before you got y'all put down the elk? Um, I think, well, we went out there on Tuesday and he wound up shooting his elk on Thursday morning. So we had gotten in a Tuesday evening, Wednesday morning, Wednesday evening, and then, uh, we'd found these elk Wednesday evening and we saw, uh, there's probably 10 bulls up in there and he wasn't able to see any of them. So we figured we'd go back into that area and see if we could get him out in the open a little bit on Thursday morning. And that's when, that's when things went down. Well, that sounds just absolutely amazing. Um, that's is, was this, uh, so you've done a, a few of these hunt of a lifetime hunts. This is, this is my third. Um, three years ago, I took a, a young girl from Michigan out and was, was able to be part of her hunt and we shot she shot a nice six point bull and last year Corey's Corey said I I want to be part of this we're going to make this happen it's just uh too special of a thing to not be part of so we had a elk 101 so it's basically the guys that are on the uh elk 101 um pro staff I guess you would call it we are we try and have the Elk 101 guys come out and help with us, whoever's available, not not out doing other hunts. So this year, Russ Meyer was able to come with us, and uh, Toby Gangler was able to come out from Oregon. So last year, um, Ty Stubblefield and Tony Mudd, and these guys, you know, they're driving 8 to 12 hours just to come out here and be part of this hunt. So... And last year we killed a couple of really nice bulls with with two boys. There was another camp that was out there in the in the morning. We had called in a bull for the boy that was in our camp. He shot him, and, the other, and then there was another bull that was in there bugling. So we went back to camp and told the other hunter that there was a bull in there, and he was pretty fired up. So there was eighteen of us that. Uh, walked up that hillside and eight year old boy was able to shoot 345, 350 class bull with 18 people standing on the hillside. <laughs> well, it's gotta be, it's gotta be nice also having that many people there, uh, to help with the pack out as well. I imagine. Definitely. Definitely. It adds always good. <laughs> so was, uh, was Austin able to, uh, pack out part of his part of his bowl um we we put we gave him the head to to uh feel how heavy it was but uh we had we didn't have two we had had a uh four-wheeler trail that was fairly close so we packed it up to the four-wheeler trail and then uh drove the four-wheelers up to the up to where the meat was but with with hunt of a lifetime there's much more than just the people that take them out hunting involved in it. There's taxidermists, there's meat processors, and there's a meat processor here in Boise that uh, donated processing of four hunters' elk once we got it off the mountain. And then there's a taxidermist here that capes out the antlers and breaks them down to send to a taxidermist in their hometown, and they get a full shoulder mount of their animal delivered to their home. So yeah, it's definitely a really nice, really neat deal, especially 
you know, being able to have a, a meat processor basically on call to cut and wrap an, an elk and get it frozen in a day and a half, two days to be able to ship back with them on the uh, airplane flight home is uh, pretty generous for them to be able to do that, especially in the middle of their busy time of the year. Yeah, so we sent him home with almost 200 pounds of, of elk, processed elk meat in coolers. So they were able to have elk that night when they got back home to uh, Pennsylvania. That's amazing. So have you uh, have you heard it all from Austin since then? Um, I've talked to his dad a couple of times. He's uh, He has a pretty aggressive cancer, and uh, he had a cat scan or MRI this past weekend and it wasn't uh overly positive it hasn't spread or anything but it uh there's no new tumor but uh it's it's definitely growing so they had to up his chemo dosage he's on a 21 day um treatment and he has to go in I think every 3 weeks for a new scan to see how things are going. But his dad said that uh, it could grow. If they didn't change the treatment, it could grow by two centimeters by Christmas. So, man, well, definitely, definitely one to keep in the in the prayers. And all, all the, there's no way that you can do one of these hunts and not become. I mean, they, these people, you just become kind of family with them. And the girl that we took out a few years ago, she was from Michigan, 17, and uh, she was graduating high school. She put in a application to Boise State. She got a really good scholarship to come to school here. She moved here, and so she's now enrolled and going to school at Boise State. <laughs> and her family, her brother comes out here and goes hunting, and he loves it out here. Her parents come out here, so... We definitely stay in contact with them. That's fantastic. And, you know, we'll make sure to keep Austin in our prayers. Hopefully, uh, yeah. hopefully this'll, this'll get, uh, a, a, one big prayer chain going. So definitely, definitely. Yeah. So we came back from, from camp a day early and, uh, trying to figure out something to do with him. So he's not just, you know, stuck in a hotel room waiting for his flight out. I called around and there's a contact for a guy that has a sturgeon fishing pond up here outside of Boise. And Corey, Corey drove three hours from his home down here to go out sturgeon fishing with us. And I think Austin wound up catching eight, eight sturgeon that day. Man. And he was, he was jacked about that it was (laughs) it was it was an awesome day man my fishing uh my hunting and fishing seasons have not been successful so far this year i'm (laughs) i can imagine how jacked he'd be about that day (laughs) yeah sounds like your hunting season i follow along on your little journey there and uh sounds like you're going to come back as a bionic man next year well, I'm hoping I'm coming back uh the end of this year as the the bionic man. I'm uh I'm back up walking around again, uh, hoping to this week that I can start getting back uh doing some light hikes and 
I figure the goal is by December, uh, by the time those late season uh, archery hunts start for uh, for coos and muleys down in Arizona. Yep. Yep. I'm hoping I can uh, be down there chasing them and not uh, yeah. not not be skunked this year. So we'll see. Uh, we'll see what happens. But yeah. Um. So I'll I'll make sure to post up a link to Hunt of a Lifetime on our on our show notes page. That's going to be livingcountryinthecity.com/slash forty three. Um, and it looks like they've got you know links for donations and uh, some contacts for uh, anyone that you know might want to get involved. I don't know if you have any uh, uh, any additional knowledge on ways people can get involved, but it looks like. Uh, most everything's up on the website here. Yeah. I think one of the guys here in, in uh, Boise, Jeremiah Pope, he started a kind of a local drive for uh, on Facebook. I, I have it on my Facebook page, a drive to uh, raise $10,000 for uh, kind of a lifetime. Just kind of wanted to, I'm not sure what they're, what they call just a charity drive that they have. So, on my Facebook, you somebody should be able to find that if they wanted to go, and I think that that's going to kind of help out the Idaho chapter of Hunter the Lifetime. Okay, and I'll I'll go I'll go hunt that link down and uh, post a uh, post a direct link up to it, so people should be able to find it pretty easy. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and it, and it's all you know the, when the kids come out, usually it's their parent comes with them, and they have you know no expenses. Everything's paid for them, their flights, their meals, and uh, our camps. We bring a guy that comes out this year, um, Russ Meyer. His dad came out, and that's all All he did was cook us meals for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And you know, it's, it's nice to for them to not have to worry about anything when they come out and do this. Just have a few days of, of peace where they don't have to think about everything else exactly. that's that's going on in life that's that's amazing yep and that's that's one of the things they don't you know everywhere that they go they're you know they're a cancer patient or they have life-threatening illness and when they're out there with with these camps they are just one of the guys one of the girls and they're just out there to enjoy a hunting camp and that's you know a lot of times all of the kids that I've taken out, they've been from back east, Michigan, Pennsylvania. And uh, the biggest thing that that uh, is different is out there, there's not much public land. And out here where we take them, it's as far as you can see is public land. And so, you know, all the dads have said, we can, we can hunt here. We have permission. Like, we don't. We don't need permission. <laughs> Everything out here is public land as far as you can see where the where the blue sky meets the earth from here to there for however far you can see a hundred miles is all public land. And that's just something that uh people that don't have that public land don't don't realize. No, and yeah, and that's even you know, even all those folks that that are are used to hunting already, they're they're hunters. It's such a different. It's got to be such a hugely different experience for uh, for someone that might be used to yeah a lot of private land or sitting in a tree stand or something. Uh, 
That's yeah. That's a completely different experience. Yeah. I don't know if you've been following along on the uh, Land of the Free project that we worked on or not, but uh, the Elk 101 crew and Hush crew, Pure Elevation crew, Angry Mountain Productions, we all uh, teamed up with Born and Raised Outdoors, and Cody and Trent are doing a project called Land of the Free, you know, raising awareness for public land. And uh, Cody and Trent did five states and 45, 50 days of elk hunting straight. (laughs) And they just uh, dropped that video, I want to say, was it today or yesterday that they they dropped that video? Yep. So what they're doing with that video series is yesterday was day one of of the 50 day hunt. Yesterday was, you know, everything that happened on on day one. Today they released a video for day two. Tomorrow will be day three, all the way on out until day fifty. And it's, you know, just over the shoulder. Here's what we did today, and yesterday's video is about forty five minutes. Today's I think was around thirty eight or forty minutes. But uh, it's definitely uh, a a neat project and. Uh, an incredible group of guys to be able to work with and to hunt with. You know, sometimes there's a lot of pride and ego in in different uh, hunting camps, and to be able to have you know five different groups of, of guys be able to overlook any of that and share camp with each other was definitely it's a season to remember. Yeah, no, I've uh, I've been pretty busy at work, so I haven't gotten a chance to watch them yet. But it's been I've had the uh... I've had the bookmark open on my on my browser on my computer for the past uh yeah. past day. Uh keep trying to find a moment to give it a look, so I'll have to I'll have to make sure to start that tonight so I don't get too far behind on the releases. Yeah. It'll be a, <laughs> a, a binge watching over Thanksgiving weekend for a lot, I'm sure. <laughs> that actually sounds I that sounds like a pretty fantastic Thanksgiving weekend to me if we're being completely honest here. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Sit stuff in my face with pumpkin pie and turkey and watching hunting videos. So that's about yeah. as ideal as it gets in my mind. Yeah. Uh, short of short of actually being out hunting, I should say, but Yeah. Hunting boots are a critical component of any successful hunt. Whether walking a short distance to your blind or trudging miles through rugged terrain, your feet are carrying the load. Without the right boots, you could give up early and lose out on that trophy just over the ridge. At Midway USA, we make selecting boots for your next hunt easier. With just a few clicks of a mouse, you can decide on what's important, like waterproofing, insulation, size, width, and savings. For just about everything for shooting, hunting, and the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. So speaking of being out hunting, what, uh, what's up next for you this season? Um, There's a late archery deer season that opens up here on november 10th in idaho chasing mule deer so i'm trying to get out and see if i can't shoot a mule deer and other than that just getting getting ready to put in for some applications and see what next year is going to bring we're already starting to figure out if what we're going to be doing for next season it's hard to believe that it's you know it feels like just a, a couple months ago that I was, you know, I was putting in for, for all my tags and it's hard to believe it's already time to do it again for next season. Yeah. 
Yeah, definitely. Going to start getting all those all those alerts from all the different services I subscribe to. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You just got to make sure your uh, bank account matches. Oh, I don't even want to talk about that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, it can putting in can take a little uh, a little hit on the uh, cards there. Yeah, just you know, shuffle it from one to another until uh, until I get the refunds on the stuff I don't draw. Yep, exactly. <laughs> but no, it's it's great. You know, it's exciting. It's uh, you know, it's a very fun time of year though too. Getting to yeah, it's expensive and it it definitely hurts the bank account, but. It's it's that time of year when everything is still wide open, you know. You you're still kind of in that mindset of I could draw. I you know, I still have a chance of drawing that premium unit, you know, or yeah. uh it's it's just, you know, it's all it's not all locked in yet and it's still, you know, sky's the limit for for what you could do. You're uh so I'm 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 kind of I'm kind of plotting and I've been trying to figure out uh what I can get away with with my vacation days and you know with family time and everything and uh we've got a we've got a family vacation uh uh to Hawaii uh, next year and i was oh. <laughs> and unfortunately it's uh of course they want to plan it during the summer you know when it's all nice and warm um yep and i was i was like well you know why couldn't we do it earlier in the year like say during axis deer hunting season um, yeah definitely <laughs> but yeah they didn't really appreciate that too much but yeah there's you know there's lots of lots of year round hunting opportunities out there so hopefully i get to have some fun maybe uh maybe do some pig hunting out there or uh some feral goat they got some really interesting uh hunts for that um and it's not all that expensive from what i was looking at so yes they do it's a couple of people have gone over there and had a great time while on vacation in hawaii doing some hunting <laughs> hey you know some for people for some people vacation is uh laying on the beach and and going swimming and and parasailing all that and that just sounds like I would I would be going stir crazy and feeling like I'm wasting time if I was doing that. Yeah. <laughs> so my vacation is gonna gonna involve uh, rocky terrain and and chasing all sorts of animals. Hopefully. <laughs> yeah. Are you gonna come back to Idaho? I definitely am. I uh, that's one thing you know. Regardless of what I do. Uh, you know, I've had a, had a lot of, a lot of folks reach out to me and, you know, want to, uh, want to plan hunts and, um, you know, my buddy Clayton, who, uh, was the, was the guy that helped, uh, pack me out, uh, after I hurt my knees, yeah. um, you know, I'm probably going to go, uh, go, uh, do some stuff with him in Idaho or in Montana. And I'm hoping to, uh, hoping to, uh, uh, his buddy that uh, actually dr- uh, drove me out because uh, I when we packed out I I had to pack out to basically the opposite side of the mountain. Um, yeah, and so uh, he had a he had a friend that was uh, living locally that drove me all the way around, and we're hoping to uh, to chase some antelope in either Wyoming or or Idaho as well. But I definitely 
I don't know. I can't. Uh, I'm. I definitely can't let uh, Idaho beat me. So I'm, no. I've definitely got to get back next year and prove to myself that uh, it didn't scare me off. So yeah, definitely, I will definitely be back. Um. So, uh, do you have any? You know, I I I can probably guess what it's going to be, but uh, if you had to pick a favorite animal to hunt, what would it be? Yeah. Um... It would probably be elk, I would assume. <laughs> I, I don't think that comes as a big surprise to too many of us. <laughs> no. Actually, I do really like archery antelope hunting. It's, just, it's extremely challenging, and it's kind of like a golf game. You're by yourself, and if you can spot and stalk an antelope and be able to shoot one, it's a pretty hard feat to uh, to be able to to attain so i do like archery i've heard from folks that archery well just antelope hunting in general is one of the most fun hunts though it's it's super difficult to actually get one but it's especially with with your bow but it's one of the most fun hunts because you just see so much there's a lot of action it's not it's not like elk as much where you kind of wake up and you're like well really hoping we hear and see something today. <laughs> yeah, definitely. With antelope, you'll, you can pretty much see them every day, but they'll, they'll let you get to about 80 yards, and then uh, you think you're all big, stealthy hunter, and then they just kind of keep that 80-yard barrier. <laughs> well, and so often in you know antelope country, there's not exactly a lot of... Uh, heavy terrain features to hide behind or, yep. or, or stock up to them with. You're not crawling through thick timber or anything, uh, too often. It's just nice, wide open country where they can see you from a long ways off. Yep. Definitely. That's where they like it. We ran into some antelope this year at like 90, 9,500 feet in elevation. And they were, uh, in timber and we're like, are those antelope? <laughs> so, are you guys lost? Is <laughs> yeah, exactly. They're getting to the other side of the mountain. Yeah, I guess got to get there somehow. Uh, they're taking the shortcut. Yeah. No, but elk. Elk is definitely my favorite. That that interaction that you have with them, being able to have an argument with them and be able to call them in. There's there's nothing that beats. You know, and that's the one thing I'm, I'm still not sure. So I, you know, I was out, uh, and I want to say probably the, my second night out there, uh, you know, I was feeling super discouraged. Uh, and I remember laying in my tent and I had the, I had the stove going. So that was crackling and it was, it was either snowing or raining. It was kind of swapping back and forth. So there was constant noise on the tent and it was pretty loud and just way, way, way off in the distance, I think I heard two elk bugle back and forth a few times. Um, and so I'm still, I'm not totally convinced. I'm about 60% sure I heard heard an elk bugle. But but really, I'm, you know, I'm just, ah, I'm just so hungry for the day that I get to, get to, you know, see that elk up close, you know, within, you know, under a hundred yards sort of a thing. And, yep. um, 
and and hear that bugle and that you know that just reverberation of them you know crashing through the forest and screaming and ah uh, man I'm I'm getting myself all worked up just thinking about it right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Nothing, nothing really beats that sound, especially when you're able to interact with them. You talk and then they talk and you know they they want to fight and, and you give them every reason to fight. That's what <laughs> that's the uh, the rush of it. Well, you know it's it's just one of those funny things is I can only imagine you know when because uh, <laughs> I was thinking about it I'm like you know this is not a big animal and I know up until the point that it's it's getting real close to me I'm gonna I'm sure I'm gonna be really confident with this whole thing but. Once I get it into bow range and suddenly realize I've pissed off this animal and it's it could squish me real easy. Yep. <laughs> I have no idea what I'm gonna do. <laughs> yep. Yeah, you said a lot of bad things about him and his mom and all of his family. Now you gotta do something about it. <laughs> <laughs> you picked a fight, you better be ready to finish it. Exactly. Oh man. Yeah, I have a lot of people. It's it's really funny, you know. Uh my my friends that actually know what an elk is a lot of a lot of folks you know I'll tell them and they've heard they've heard that there is an animal that exists called an elk but yeah you know it's who knows you know it could be a unicorn for all they know and yeah. uh, but the folks that know what an elk is and how big they are and you know it's I just I tell them and it's they're just dumbfounded like yeah I'm like yeah I'm out hunting elk and they're like are what <laughs> and, with a bow yeah and that's that's the other thing it's kind of you know I'll, I'll admit it's it's kind of fun seeing that that bit of just complete like wonder in their eyes and you know it's um you know whether or not you're you're a hunter whether or not you're you're anti-hunting there's i think everyone still is has has a little bit of respect for the person that hikes out into the backcountry, you know, with nothing but what they carry and what they're carrying. Yeah. Uh, and chases an enormous animal. Just there's no other way around it. I mean, it's just an enormous animal. Yeah. Um and then plans on throwing it on, you know, cutting it up, throwing it on their back and and taking it home to eat. But um yeah, I feel like I I've noticed even from a lot of my friends that you know, I don't have I don't have too many people that are just rabidly anti hunting that I that I talk with, but uh, you know, I've got a few friends that just they just hate when I talk about it and stuff like that, but they'll still when we start talking about the hunt, they'll still kinda I'll realize they have this this admiration yeah. just for what I'm doing. They may not like the end the end goal, but there's a some sort of admiration there for sure. Yeah, definitely. So uh what what would be your hunt of a life like your hunt of a lifetime? Uh, the one hunt you know that that you're still just dying to do any animal anywhere money notwithstanding. What would it what would it be? Um, I'd like to be able to hunt elk in New Mexico, just off the reservation somewhere, and then I'd also like to be able to hunt elk up in Canada. There's some. Uh, fantastic elk up there and i just kind of wanted to do that for a long time so i might have to move to canada for a year or two and be able to go hunt elk up there (laughs) (laughs) yeah i've got a 
I've got a, a coworker of mine, um, and he is uh, he's from Calgary, and uh, from what he tells me, Calgary is kind of the the redneck central of of Canada. Yeah. Um, and he's got a lot of buddies who who are just basically subsistence hunters. That's how they you know how they eat for the year. Yep. And uh, and I guess they were all they were all sitting around one day, and before you know this was before he really knew they were they were hunters and uh he was saying you know they're all comparing uh you know they're all family men and uh, they were just talking about oh my gosh you know i spend so much on groceries and this and that and uh you know they're all kind of comparing monthly monthly numbers and and the the hunter you know made a comment and he's like well you know i i spend you know 150 150 bucks maybe yeah and they all look at him like you are absolutely insane what the hell and you know it finally came out he's like well you know i go kill a caribou or a moose or something and and i'm pretty much good on meat for the family for the year exactly and that's all you gotta buy is your uh your side dishes that go with your meat exactly um but yeah he's uh you know we we'll talk about hunting every now and again and uh he uh one of these days I gotta, I gotta get him to, to take me up there and introduce me to some of his friends and, and go enjoy some, uh, some hunts up there. Yeah. Yep. It's just a, a little more remote up there and I don't know, just something that at some point I'd like to do. Definitely. So as we're kind of winding down here, um, I always like to end with just some advice, uh, for, for either a new hunter or someone from the city who's who's trying to get into hunting but may feel intimidated, doesn't know where to start, or or just thinks there's you know there's too much to learn, I can't do this. What would you what advice or would you give to that person? Um, I think the biggest thing is pretty much those people that want to go out and do it. They probably know somebody that goes out and does it, and even if you aren't you know, able to get a tag or you don't have a bow or you don't have a rifle, just tag along on a hunt and and see what it's actually about. And I, pretty much everybody will either be hooked or they'll understand what it is that drives people and keeps the tradition of hunting alive. There's just something about it to be able to go out Spend that time with friends, family, and it's just an escape. Even, like I said, even if you're not the one actually hunting, just go out and follow along and see if it's going to be something that you actually want to do. And then uh, after that bug bites you, <laughs> you'll have a little bit, a little bit under your belt in order to know what it's going to take to be able to do it. Definitely. And, you know, I, I think I've said this a few times before on the podcast is just, I really wish, you know, I kind of, when I got into hunting, I mean, it was this year, you know, I've always been interested in hunting, but getting into backcountry hunting was, was really new to me this year. I didn't think it was a thing people could do when they're just starting, you know? Yeah. And, um, when I kind of got involved in it and started learning about it, it was just right in the middle. It was pretty much like, okay, it's time to apply for tags. And I'm like, ah, <laughs> yeah, okay. And I'm just going rapid fire. And, uh, I really wish that I had kind of known or I maybe been given this advice sooner. Um, you know, it, 
a year ago or whatever. And so I could have planned to really join someone on a hunt and learn from them and just get that experience in the back country. So I could understand a little bit better, especially me because I'm such a, I'm such a like tactile learner that I need to, I need to do something to learn it. And so I that's definitely advice that I wish I had gotten years, you know, a couple of years ago before I, I, I really got just kind of dropped in, <laughs> jumped in the deep end, both feet, if you will. Yep. Um, yeah. And in this, and one thing that, uh, a lot of people say is, you know, buy tags, not gear. Spend some money on getting tags and just get out there and experience it. Mm-hmm. Just get out. And if it happens, it happens. If not, then you then you actually know what gear you need to be able to be chasing or, or acquiring along the way. But being able to have tags... You're not going to be able to go hunting if you don't have a tag. So, yeah, you can all have all the gear in the world, and it's useless to you until uh, yep. unless you're able to afford the tag at the beginning of the year. So, yeah, don't worry about shooting a trophy. Don't worry about any of that. Just worry about getting out there, experiencing it, and getting getting something under your belt. Well, you know, and and something else someone reminded me too is, you know, even if you don't have a tag or or maybe you know you're just you don't have a ton of people that you can uh reach out to or you you want to get out more often than just this one hunt with your buddy there's always the option of leaving the bow or the rifle at home and heck put on put on some camo and an orange hat and uh yep. go out and and glass and or practice your bugling uh Obviously you don't want to you don't want to step on anyone's toes as much, you know, be as careful as possible, but yeah. You know, if you can go out to some fantastic units if you're not hunting and <laughs> and yep. and see how the elk behave and and get into the middle of it. You know, I mean, for me, I'm not too far from Nevada, I'm, you know, or Arizona. Uh, yeah, exactly. I'm, you know, some there's some amazing some of the best units in the uh, best bull units out there are, are five hour drive away from me. Not too far um, from home. And, you know, I, I think I need to get more into that mindset. And, you know, if anyone else, if, if that's a, you know, if that, if that kind of flips that switch for anyone else, then I'm more than happy because I, that's something I wish I, I wish I would do more of now still, but I definitely wish I'd done before my, before my big trip just to have kind of uh get my feet wet if you will yeah just you know, like you said just even if it's during the summertime loading up your backpack in a tent and going and hiking in a few miles and hanging out it's it's just very refreshing to be able to go out and enjoy it relax and just kind of check out that's for sure so if people wanted to find you online and follow uh, all the all the antics and uh where's the best place to check you out? Um um I'm on Instagram as Eat Sleep Hunt Elk and uh I'm on Facebook as Donnie Drake, so Alrighty. 
social media anyways. <laughs> I'll definitely uh you can always you can always check out Elk One O One too. That's a good resource for somebody that hasn't done any of it. Corey's put together a incredible online training that uh has everything you're gonna wanna know about elk hunting all in in one place. Definitely. And uh it's a great resource for anybody looking to get into it. And, you know, you can even get $10 off access to the course on Elk 101 if you use code Living Country. Throwing that out there. That's correct. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, actually, you know, I can't say enough about Elk 101. It's, it's, almost, it's almost a little frustrating because I focus so much on elk now that I'm, I'm – looking at other species and stuff for the rest of the year and just, and next year, um, it's really frustrating that there's no, you know, black bear one oh one that there's no, yep. uh, no mule, mule deer one oh one no coos one oh one I, yeah. <laughs> we need to, I need to get that going. I've got to go to all these different spots and piece together information. Yeah. Corey's, Corey's making me lazy in my research here. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> He's making it making it so easy for me to get that info. But uh, no, I, I honestly I can't say enough about it. The videos are amazing. The information is just so easy to understand, and it makes you realize that it's you know it's possible. You know, you're not yeah, you're not walking into you're walking into a very difficult thing but uh, not impossible. Yeah, it's still 90% luck, 10% skill. <laughs> but honing that 10% skill is, is critical. That's what we've always said. We're, you know, camo versus flannels, everything like that. It's, you know, it's not the uh, camouflage that's going to make or break you shooting an elk or any animal, but that knowledge that you can gain or the the advantage that you can get on that 10% of skill, anything that we can do to increase our odds. If we can get an extra two yards closer, that's two yards closer than we were. So you don't like it. Like I said, you don't have to have all the gear in the world, but being out there is your, your first step. Absolutely. Well, Donnie, thank you so much for hopping on the show with me today. I really appreciate it. Definitely. Thanks for having me. All right, y'all. That'll do it for episode 43 of Living Country in the City. Make sure y'all give Donnie a follow online and also check out Hunt of a Lifetime. You can find links to all of those pages on our show notes page at livingcountryinthecity.com slash 43. Now, don't forget to head on over to iTunes or Stitcher and leave that quick rating and review. But in the meantime, keep it country, y'all. Thank y'all for listening to Living Country in the City. Get show notes and check out the blog, product reviews, events, and more at livingcountryinthecity.com. to go with like just full-blown redneck on these fish this is like high-tech cane pole fishing right here from the white sandy beaches to the crystal blue waters enjoy the best fishing panama city beach has to offer during chasing the sun sundays at 9 30 a.m eastern on waypoint tv
the destination for outdoor entertainment. In Wild Country, rules were not created by man. Don't miss Wild Country, Wednesdays from 7 to 11 p.m. Eastern. Presented by Primos. Speak the language. Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment.